Hello, friends, and welcome to Something to Talk About, a podcast where different women come together to talk about the Word of God and the various ways it informs their lives. I'm Amber Barrett, and this week, Vanessa Hawkins and I will be talking again with Angela Rogers and Susie Lovekamp. The theme of our discussion, Finding Joy in Ordinary Life, comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 9. We encourage you to read that passage when you have time. We'll begin our time together, like we always do, with a segment we like to call First Things First. So ladies, let's tell our listeners about the first time we played a gratifying practical joke. You get to start us, Vanessa. yeah, Uh I thought that might be the case, Amber. (laughs) (laughs) We're back to payment, right? <laughs> I know, I know. Kids paying me for good questions. So I'm telling you, as youngest of nine, and just kind of being one of the youngest people in the neighborhood, I was always being put up to doing something. I was always <laughs> being put up to doing something. So the one that I remember most, especially with it being close to, uh, you know, being October, so it, it, this is, it's just really been on my mind. We we had um, neighbors across the street that it was just their house. We were back and forth between their house and our house. And so it was like one big yard. We mm-hmm. just we, we played everywhere in the neighborhood. And they would go to, there were an elderly couple who would go to the Senior Citizen Center. And we would be kind of left to fend for ourselves. And, um, you know, and the neighborhood took care of us. <laughs> you know, it was that yeah. type of thing. And there were some con- contractors, construction workers, um, who were in the house doing some work and they didn't know we were in the house because we were in and out. So we thought it would be funny to get under the bed and make <laughs> them think that the house was haunted. <laughs> so as one of the construction workers came to get on the phone, I reached from under the bed and tied his shoes together. Oh my oh goodness. My. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so that was just, that was only one of the things that, you know, he didn't somehow, I don't know if it just pulled apart, if it wasn't tight enough, you know, it, it wasn't as gratifying as I had hoped it would be. You know, yeah. I, I don't know what we were thinking, if it was going to make him fall. We, just, we really wanted to scare him. Yeah. We really wanted to scare him, but it was kind of ho-hum. It was ho-hum because you didn't have the right knot. Right. Didn't work out as we had planned, but there you go. I don't feel like I'm a real big practical joker, but our house flooded um, a year ago. The kitchen flooded, and so my middle daughter, Madeline, is she loves to play um, pranks. And so she put water bottles um, coming out of the toilet all lining the bathroom and so she wanted to prank Joe that there was water running out of the toilet that we were having another leak again. So she got it all set up and then she started calling for dad, dad, help. There's water coming out of the toilet. And so I started chiming in, Joe, it's really bad. I can't believe this is happening to us again. And so he came running in there and then saw all of the water bottles lining out of the toilet into <laughs> the other room. And he busted out laughing. And we just had the best laugh. It was just that's it was fun. That's creative. Because she was telling the truth. There is water yes. coming yes. all the way out of the toilet, but it was in water bottles. It was water bottles. Yes. That's hilarious. Yes. Yeah. I like the way that girl thinks. She, <laughs> she's creative. I might have to team up with her. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I'm remembering lots of practical jokes, too. But I also have this really uncomfortable feeling here because I'm realizing that in the land of practical jokes, that is also where put poor judgment comes out to play many times. And just listen to you guys talk. I'm remembering jokes, but I think if I told them, 
I might be liable. Someone, someone could um, file a lawsuit against me. Maybe, or <laughs> I might lose a friend or two. But I do remember in college, we played lots of practical jokes. And just this is really silly and it's really simple. But it, one night um, I short sheeted my roommate's bed. And it, I just, it was just really funny to lay there and pretend like I was asleep <laughs> and kind of watch her come stumbling in trying to get into bed and just wrangling with the covers and not being able to really get in. So that was a, that was kind of a fun, fun she thought, what has happened to yes. my leg? Or to my legs? Yes, like, am I suddenly grown really long? Or what is going on? Mm-hmm. All right, Vanessa, that is so funny that your practical joke had to do with getting underneath the bed. Because mine has to do with getting underneath really? the bed. Soul okay. Sisters, yeah. My dad is a big practical jokester. And I love practical jokes. So I grew up having a lot of practical jokes played on me. And learning how to play some good practical jokes. And this particular one happened one night that my dad and I were going to go on a date. A mother... A, father-daughter date to a movie and my mom was home by herself my sister was at a friend's house and so she had the evening alone and so we went out and drove to the movie theater and found out the movie wasn't playing at the time that we thought it was so we drove home and when we got home we realized my mom was in the shower and they have an upstairs bedroom so we my dad thought it would be a good idea to go upstairs (laughs) and hide underneath Uh -uh. the bed she came out Mm -hmm. and it's so quiet and she's in her towel and all these sorts of things and she walks over by the bed and i just reached out and Uh grabbed her (laughs) and you can imagine i mean she just (gasps) it was just that gasp and utter silence and for about five seconds i thought this is hilarious and then i realized no this is actually really terrible <laughs> so she got angry of course at us and i was hiding under the bed in shame not in laughter anymore and uh, it was a practical joke gone wrong for sure it backfired <laughs> uh, instead of creating a funny memory that we could all share it brought about fear anger mm-hmm. and conflict mm-hmm. and you know in a similar way we've been reminded through our study of ecclesiastes that the good things of life when used at our own discretion and for our own purposes will lead not to enjoyment, but to grief. Even our obedience to God's good commands, which we talked about last week, when we we use them as a bargaining chip to gain God's favor or to prolong our lives, they will fall short of giving us what we hope for because everything in life bumps up to one big roadblock, and that's death. Ecclesiastes 9 states that stark reality, the stark reality that we will all go to the grave and we will all be forgotten. My husband, John, asked me the other day how much I knew about my great-grandfather. And sadly, my answer was barely anything. It was sobering for me to realize that my great-grandchildren will likely know little to anything about me. That in less than 100 years, no living person will readily remember my name. My life, like everyone else's, is passing away like a mist. So the question is, how do we live in the face of death? I think 2020 has caused us to ask this question in new ways as the whole world has been forced to reckon with the fact that we are not as indestructible as we may have believed ourselves to be. It's been a long year with unprecedented amounts of upheaval. And as we near the end, I think it's fair to say that we are all fearful and weary. Some of us may even find that we're beginning to resign ourselves to the chaos as we prepare for more to come. Solomon knew what it was like to feel worn out with never-ending brokenness of the world. But in our passage for today, he suggests a response to that brokenness, which is surprisingly different than resignation. He says, Go, eat your bread with joy, and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved what you do. Let your garments be always white, 
Let not oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun, because that is your lot in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. When Solomon uses the word lot in this passage, he's referring to the gifts God uniquely gives to individuals, specifically a place to live, a work to do, and people to do it with. So Vanessa, talk to us a little bit about the difference between accepting our lot in life versus resigning ourselves to it, even in a year like 2020. Wow, that's a great question, Amber. And first of all, I I just so love the question that John asked about Mm -hmm. your great-grandfather, and that was really resonating for me with regard to this question that you're asking. Mm -hmm. You, You guys have heard me talk a lot about my grandmother and her influence on me, how I love the Word of God because of, um, you know, how she taught me, but how I have longed to know my great-grandmother, and which would have been her mother. Yeah. And while I can never know her the way that I would like to know her, there have been stories passed down mm-hmm. about the wonder that she was. And so my great-grandmother was a church planner of sorts. She organized these open-air weekly Bible studies that eventually became a Baptist church in my hometown that is still in operation today. And so when I consider her and her God-given portion, Mm -hmm. her lot in life, Mm -hmm. what is remembered in our family are those things that had eternal value. Um, Her faith, how it has affected and influenced generations of worshipers in our town, Mm -hmm. as well as me, her descendant. So her lot was a meager one. She was a wife. She was a mother. And she didn't have a home that was large enough to host a Bible study. So it was nine people who met under trees. And my grandmother called it a brush harbor. She had to explain (laughs) to me what that meant. So, but more than resigning herself to this lot and and tolerating her station in life, she embraced it as God's good plan Mm -hmm. and and as being from the Lord's hand. So resigning ourselves to a lot in life, I guess that it can bring a measure of contentment, I suppose. But it's when we see our lot as God's good plan, his design, that he's not withholding any good thing from us. I think it's only then that we are able to fully embrace what he has allowed as good and wise and to not just tolerate our lot, but to accept it in the way that the the preacher of Ecclesiastes is talking about celebrating it and engaging it as a worship unto the Lord. So we do this by seeking to participate in what has eternal value, what contributes to the upbuilding of the Lord's kingdom, And I honestly believe that that has more to do with the posture of our hearts than it does the actual work. Um, It it has to do with the willingness to be used of the Lord in whatever lot he's called us. So if we're working to build his kingdom, that necessarily means that we can't be working to build our own or a name for ourselves. It means that we do everything for his name and for his glory. So as I consider my great-grandmother, I know there had to be days that as a wife and a mom— with very limited resources in the time that she lived because it would have had to have been, you know, mid to late 1800s and early 1900s. Life must have been very difficult just by virtue of that time. I'm sure she had to be encouraged and reminded to stay the course in doing the important work she was doing, both inside and outside the home. So ladies, talk to me about the tensions you've experienced in your lot of in life and what has been good and glorious, and what seems monotonous or painful? So I, 
just find that I really can struggle in the day-to-day mundane task um, of my days. I can get really overwhelmed, and when I get overwhelmed, I can tend to just want to shut down, and I'm tempted to want to quit. Um, And there's things that are part of my days that I really just don't enjoy. I don't um, enjoy, you know, doing the laundry or uh, meal planning (laughs) or some of the things that I know are going to be a benefit to my family. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm grateful to be able to do those things, but there are many days where I'm looking at the piles of laundry and I just... Um, don't feel like I have it in me. And I think um, added on that is just some of the daily cares that um, I give for Sadie that I honestly thought, you know, some of the things like diapering or dressing or bathing, that things I thought were going to end in a season that are just, they're not ending and they're they're going to continue. So something that I just wasn't quite um, prepared for. In the midst of these ordinary days, I'm finding that God meets me here in the midst of the laundry and in the midst of the meal planning. I can Mm. find joy and purpose in my work. And when I'm having this right perspective and believing that I'm honoring the Lord with my efforts and working at it with all my might, that I am a blessing to my family. And this is where I find that I can live out of this joy instead of drudgery. And some of the things in the lot that the Lord has given me, some of the hard things um, with Sadie's disability. He has just given us beautiful things that we never would have um, known um, if we didn't have this story. And one of those is just Sadie is, um, for the most part, nonverbal. She has a handful of words and phrases, and it's enough that we can figure out what she's needing. But... um, During quarantine, we started listening to Ellie Holcomb every morning and watching her videos and just getting some good truth in our minds and starting our day. And Sadie just goes and stands at the TV in the kitchen, and she is just mesmerized by the words. And I truly believe that she is worshiping the Lord, and she's not able to vocalize these things, but just watching her and knowing that the Lord is making these truths of his love for her deep in her heart. And um, one day we were um, just standing around and she said something and I thought, what did she just say? Because she doesn't have, you know, many words. And then I realized she's saying, fear not. And that's one of Ellie's songs. And so she walks around and she says, fear not, fear not. And she'll even say it in context with different conversations we're having. And so I just love that the Lord would just give her this truth to cling to. It reminds my heart to cling to that truth. And um, it's just a beautiful way that he has shown himself um, in this. Oh, wow. That is amazing. Amen to that. Though I just felt like I just went to church there. Susie, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, you're talking about the monotony and the beauty of the monotony. And um, I think that's, uh, I'll go with that too, just an experience I've had um, now Now that we're living in COVID and a new way of experiencing monotony. I, I always had this, I've been told that boredom is a sin, but <laughs> I think it's, <laughs> I think I'm going to let go avoided. of that and yeah. just say we all get bored from time to time. And I certainly have experienced it. And just because of the COVID lockdown um, and several things, you know, plans have been canceled. Trips have been canceled. 
um, all of this sort of came together, and I really did detour through a little period of struggling with boredom and the monotony of the day-to-day because the day-to-day got smaller and smaller. I don't know if y'all felt like that because, um, you know, we couldn't go where we're used to going. We couldn't connect with the friends and family, or I couldn't, Mm -hmm. like I'm accustomed to. And um, even the the usual things that I would do that would give me purpose um, just couldn't do those things. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and and those are the things that... um, you know, that, that sort of define my lot in life. And suddenly I'm not sure quite what my lot in life is. And I even went through a little time of kind of sadness and a little bit of, I think, feeling a little depressed. Yeah. I, I'm mm-hmm. sure other people probably have experienced mm-hmm. the yeah, same no thing. Mm-hmm. But then um, two things happened. And um, and this is where the beauty comes in. Um, my husband and I, we bought a kayak, which Fun. was kind of out of character for us. But mm-hmm. that was a good thing. And... Um, I also started reading a lot. I'm not a huge reader and kind of stay busy and don't have a lot of time to read, but I really have gotten into reading and um, more than more than normal. And then those are basically looking for ways to kind of beat the system that COVID has laid down for us, I guess, mm-hmm. making it a challenge. And um, now, all of a sudden, as I reflect, I realize that um, because of that, my world has opened up in ways that I never could have dreamed it would before COVID. And honestly, I, I, I don't have time to be bored right now. Mm -hmm. And I don't, there's, there's really no monotony to life right now, um, because of things like that. And for example, with the kayak, um, it's just given me a new appreciation for the place we live. You were talking about Amber, that our lot in life is part of where we live and Mm -hmm. just seeing um, our area from the water changing perspective. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just, just being able to appreciate nature and and just the nature of where we live and being so thankful to the Lord for where he's put me to live. And then through the reading um, that has really helped change my perspective too. I've done a reading on, the, the racial issues that are so upfront um, right now and at the forefront. And in a way, um, God is doing a work to renovate my past and just mm-hmm. the way I, I look at things. And um, through the reading, it's been a gift. He's given me a whole new um, vocabulary and a, mm-hmm. and a context um, for framing some of the circumstances from my past that shape my, I don't know the right term, racial consciousness or mm-hmm whatever it is, he's helping me come to terms with some things. And um, there's a lot of goodness there and a lot of beauty in that, even though it's a hard and awkward thing. But um, I think that's always a good thing whenever God helps us to um, make peace with some of the hard things in our past. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what you're both are saying that I resonate with is the things that you count beautiful and the things that you count hard are Mm -hmm. parts of the same whole. Yes. That's true for me, too. Uh, What I was thinking of is that what's really comes to my mind when I count what's beautiful in my life right now, as far as, you know, there's a place to live and there's a work to do Mm -hmm. and there's a people to do it with. And I'm just really grateful for the people to do it with. Mm -hmm. I'm really grateful for some solid, long-lasting friendships. I'm really grateful for good relationships with my extended family. And then really, really grateful Mm-hmm. that my three boys and my husband truly are my four favorite people to be with. Yeah. Which is good if you're in quarantine. So I love my people. And I, I've also found though that my work that's connected to my people 
can be very annoying, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just like y'all are describing. Mm-hmm. It's the day in, day out. For me, it's service. Like you're talking mm-hmm. about those mundane acts of service I have a really hard time with lately. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a couple of reasons. One is because they, they're never done mm-hmm. right. and they're constantly being undone. <laughs> and I'm sure that's true for everybody. Mm-hmm. But with three boys, you know, like today, I spent a couple hours cleaning the bathrooms, mopping the floors, whatever. Mm-hmm. I have that brief moment because they're at school. Mm-hmm. It smells like bleach. <laughs> it looks good. The sunshine, everything's picked <laughs> up. By the, if you were to come to my house at seven o'clock tonight, you might not believe me that I had cleaned earlier. And so sometimes when I'm clean, I'm thinking, why am I doing this? It's going to be undone. I mean, sometimes I'm in the middle of doing it and they're undoing it, you know. And so it's that frustration that I can't get to this place where it's just peace and rest and it's done. It's constant, constantly doing it. And then it's um, that it doesn't pay. Like literally, it does really. <laughs> oh, we, we all know that. I could be using my time Absolutely. to, you know, bring in some type of income, doing something I like. You know, these aren't yeah. tasks like you said, Susie. That I just think, oh, I can't wait to do <laughs> these things that are connected with helping the lives of my people run. You know, they're not things I'm naturally good at. They're mm-hmm. not things I naturally enjoy. And so sometimes I think I could find more gratification doing something else. I could make more money doing something else. Sometimes my boys, you know, hint that they think I should get a job, you know, <laughs> that brings in some cash. And I think, well, that makes me feel really good. Uh, so those are struggles for me, you know, and I do think at times I just resign myself to like, well, that's just the part of my life I don't like. And I'm glad that I get to be with my people. I wouldn't want to not be with my people. I'll just have to suck it up and do these mm-hmm. things. But the idea of not just resigning myself to it, like you you were saying, Vanessa, but embracing it and believing that even the cleaning of toilets is Mm -hmm. something that the Lord has ordained for my lot. What can I do with it? That's hard for me Mm -hmm. to connect that, you know? Mm -hmm. So y'all help me out a little bit. Talk about what it looks like for you to not settle with resignation, but to move to acceptance. Well, you know, the thing that immediately comes to mind here, and it's kind of extreme, but um, I just imagine myself standing before those three crosses at Calvary um, on the day Jesus was crucified. Um, And of course, the middle cross is for Christ. But um, I see those other two crosses, and it's like I have to make a choice between one or the other. And one of those crosses, which is the one that, you know, the criminal who pleaded for mercy that, that, that represents the person that accepts their lot in life. Mm-hmm. And then on the, and this is extreme, but the other, the other guy there, he was the one that resigned himself. He resented life. He even rebelled. And so I, um, I just feel like, I guess that's where the Lord has me right now is to, you know, you're either all in for me or, or not, you know, one or the other. And, um, and that, a, a good way to fight, like we we're talking about the boredom and the monotony and whatnot, um, is to be grateful for my I have to practice being grateful for my lot when I'm, like you we were talking about the mundane house chores, you know, mm-hmm. just to be thankful that I have a vacuum cleaner that works and stuff like that. And then um, just to I- accept our lot, to accept where, where we are in life and not try to manipulate or change things, but really just, you know, the bad, the hard things about a past or, and the good things, the mistakes, um, that have been made to just accept it all, Mm -hmm. um, and, and to be thankful for it. And, um, and then I even think about, um, a way to accept 
my lot is to, like Jesus had to pick up his cross and carry his cross to Calvary. Well, I need to just, I need to own my lot and pick it up like we pick up the cross and, um, and carry it and carry it gratefully. And then when it's time to lay it down to graciously lay it down and put it where the Lord wants me to put it. Mm-hmm. So, well, what you're saying is helpful to me about the, the thief on the cross taking ownership, accepting mm-hmm. this is who I am and, and what I need is mercy. You yeah. know, what I need is, is your grace in my lot, in my place right now. Exactly. And, Exactly. And to have received that mm-hmm. fully. Accepting my lot has really been a learned effort. Um, for me, accepting is knowing that on this side of heaven, under the sun, the once Eden that Swine refers to, that life is hard and it's full of brokenness and that it's okay mm-hmm. to grieve this brokenness and the disappointments to even acknowledge that to myself and with others, that it just it wasn't supposed to be this way. But then resting in the hope of Jesus. Eswan says that Jesus entered once Eden to recover what was lost, to foreshadow what comes, the heavenly kingdom that waits. So I'm just, it encourages me to trust and believe that God uses the lots he's given me not only to know Jesus in deep ways, but also to tell of his rescue and redemption, accepting my lot is belief that out of his love and mercy, like you're saying, Amber, that the Lord has graciously given me this particular story because this is where I'll find him and experience true joy. Yeah, and the telling of it, I loved how you said that. The ownership leads to the telling, the communicating what you found. Yeah, my natural inclination is hard work. It's just to work hard. It's mm-hmm. just what I do. And I need the preacher's words saying, verses 7 through 9, Go eat your bread with joy. Drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved what you do. Let your garments be always white. Let oil not be lacking on your head. Enjoy life. Mm-hmm. I need to hear those words. Mm-hmm. And Tommy Nelson, in his study, uh, A Life Well Lived, his study of Ecclesiastes, Uh, He talks about this oil on the head being a picture of someone preparing for a party. And more than just accepting our lot, the preacher of Ecclesiastes reminds us over and over again that we really are to enjoy Mm -hmm. life. And Mm -hmm. that's easier some days Mm -hmm. than others, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so I just personally believe, though, that no one should throw a better party than a Christian. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I take it as my personal. (laughs) And you can (laughs) invite me, please. (laughs) No one should throw a better party than a Christian. No one should laugh harder. Mm -hmm. Or be filled with more joy than Christians. And this doesn't mean that we gay engage in some um, phony, you know, joy or that we that even we engage in escapism type activities. But that's not what I'm saying at all. The psalmist says in Psalm 16 and 5 through 6, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. He holds our lot. The lines have fallen for those who are in Christ in pleasant places. And surely we have an inheritance in him. So more than accepting our lot with drudgery, we can embrace and celebrate because what's before us, what we see today, isn't all there Mm -hmm. is. And just being reminded of that. But one day it will give way Mm -hmm. to an eternal inheritance in Christ Jesus. And so living in light of that eternity allows me to fully enjoy today when Mm -hmm. I can remember to do that, right? Mm -hmm. Now, I fail to remember sometimes and 
That means I need frequent heart checks. I need friends who will hold me accountable and make sure that I'm not just going through the motions, but that my heart seeks to honor the Lord, even in the mundane task of life. I have to remind myself that there are no sacred tasks and there are no secular tasks. As a child of the Most High God, every task, every activity I set my hands to is to be a worship to the Lord, whether that's preparing a Bible lesson to teach or whether I'm laughing and enjoying a group of friends. It's all to be done for his glory with the right heart posture is how I like to put it. And so I imagine that when I'm having the right heart posture, I imagine that it's causing the Lord to smile. And so, ladies, tell me then, what does it look like for you to practice the presence of God in your ordinary life? Well, I love how you started out just with that reminder that we should, or maybe not even should, but can and should celebrate and be joyful. And admittedly, my mind initially goes to, okay, now what do I need to do to practice mm-hmm. the presence of God? Okay, mm-hmm. And there are some things that are mm-hmm. helpful to me. Yeah. Being in the scripture is very yeah. helpful to me because then I have some substance when it mm-hmm. comes to knowing who the Lord is and, and how I'm going to think about him. And prayer, mm-hmm. of course, is such a means of grace by intentionally cultivating conversation and listening. But I can tend to think of those things as things that I do, like, because I'm supposed to, and I'm going to do these things, mm-hmm. and then I will somehow tie myself into getting the Lord's presence. And, mm-hmm. and it still seems like work to me. So this mm-hmm. whole idea yeah. that, okay, yes, these things need to be practiced, but to be practicing them out of a genuine belief that there is so much to be celebrated in ordinary life that the Lord frees me to celebrate him Mm -hmm. in the midst of all the things I don't do right, can't get right, forgot Mm -hmm. to do, was Mm -hmm. late to do, Mm -hmm. all those sorts of things. That's big to me because Mm -hmm. I live under this sort of pressure, self-pressure that won't celebrate until I get it all right. Mm -hmm. And the Lord frees me up from that. Mm -hmm. Just hearing you say that just... Made me think about that. So That's thank so you. Good. I enjoyed your mm-hmm. reflection on that. Mm-hmm. That's great. Practicing his presence for me is continually turning my attention and thoughts back to the Lord, especially in the moments of my day where I am weak and I feel like I can't possibly keep doing this. And I, I honestly think that a lot. It's just rehearsing these truths to myself. Lord, I need you to show up. You promise you are with me that you will never leave me or forsake me. But in this moment of frustration, what does that really look like? I don't feel any differently. I still can feel angry and frustrated and overwhelmed. So I'm coming to you, Lord, with all these emotions and asking you to meet me here in the midst of the laundry piles, believing that you make me strong when I am weak, that you sustain me when I am weary, and that your presence is here among these ordinary things. It's helpful for me to be watchful for his hand throughout my days, to name the graces, just recognizing all the tiny ways he shows himself to me and provides for me, even in the little things like grace to respond kindly to my child or victory over the laundry piles or being outside in creation and feeling the sun on my face and just remembering that he promises to sustain all things. Mm -hmm. So it's just calling out to the Lord and expecting him to be who he says he is because I'm honestly just desperate for him. I know I can't do this life on my own and I need these reminders just to strengthen my faith and preach to myself that he is real that he is good Mm -hmm. and that he is with me. Mm -hmm. Amen. So good.
That is good. And yes, he is with us. And I feel like one of the themes that's come through just through all of our comments is that how the Lord uses um, children, our children or other people's children to remind us that our life is ordinary and Mm -hmm. that there is um, something wonderful about the mundane, that he can meet us there. And uh, just reflecting, you know, we're sitting here in the children's building and um, the stories about children in the scripture help me to Mm -hmm. um, practice the presence of the Lord and in an ordinary life, I just, I'm just, things that come to mind, number one, um, the story of Jairus's daughter, that was a story in Sunday school that was used um, of the Lord to bring me to him uh, when I was a child. That's one of my first um, real awarenesses of Jesus wow. and, and him coming to me. But um, for the purposes of this question, like Jairus's daughter, um, he gave her life, whether he, he restored her life, he made her whole. Um, and it's important, like that little girl, for me to just stop and remember, well, Jesus has given me my ordinary life. Mm-hmm. I would have no life mm-hmm. but apart from him. Mm-hmm. And whether it's an extraordinary life or just a plain ordinary life, mm-hmm. it is a good life mm-hmm. to be celebrated yeah. mm-hmm. and um, to be enjoyed and delighted in. And then I think about the the little boy with the fish and the loaves, and his mama had to do the mundane thing of packing that <laughs> lunch, and maybe she had to scale the fish and bake the bread, you know, all that stuff. But anyway, somebody did some mundane things and got him ready to take his lunch to give it to Jesus. So whatever it is that's um, in my day, that's in my hands that I have, whatever the gifts I have, even the mistakes and foul-ups, mm-hmm. I, I need to just give those to Jesus, to my Lord, and let him do with those what he will to make that ordinary thing extraordinary for his glory. And then, mm-hmm. y'all, I'm sitting here just looking down at my feet, and underneath them are the words because I'm sitting on a rug mm-hmm. in a children's <laughs> building, and it says, let the children come to me. And that was my last my last little thought here is that I have to be like those children whose parents brought them to Jesus for him to bless. And to practice, truly practice the Lord's presence is just to be able to just sit with him mm-hmm. you know like Vanessa yeah. you were talking about being the busy bee and have mm-hmm. trouble slowing down but uh, we do need those moments where we just sit and let him be Jesus and we just can fade away into the folds of his garments mm-hmm. and snuggle in mm-hmm. uh, there so those are just some ways that help me what a sweet picture I love that mm-hmm. practically when uh, in 2011 I was in the throes of being a full-time homemaker, homeschooler. And there was a song Stephen Curtis Chapman released Mm -hmm. called Do Everything that just encouraged me and reminded me of practicing the presence of the Lord in the mundane. So these particular words to his song reminded me on lots of days that my work under the sun was being done before the Lord. And so here are the words. You're picking up toys on the living room floor for the 15th time today, matching up Mm -hmm. socks, sweeping up lost Cheerios that got away. You put a baby on your hip, color on your lips, and head out Mm -hmm. the door. While I may not know you, I bet I know you wonder sometimes, does it matter at all? Well, let me remind you, it all matters just as long as you do everything you do to the glory of the one who made you, because he made you to do every little thing that you do to bring a smile to his face, Mm -hmm. tell the story of grace with every move that you make, and every little thing you do. Mm-hmm. So whether you're a single mom, a homeschooler, mm-hmm. or a corporate executive, we can know that our Father delights in us as we go about the monotony of just being human. Mm-hmm. 
When our hearts are postured in worship towards him, washing dishes, teaching science, negotiating with vendors, caring for patients, all have eternal value. Mm -hmm. May we know his delight in all that we do today. And may every move we make tell his story of grace. Absolutely. With that note of encouragement, we hope you will join us again next week. Take us on the porch as you enjoy the fall colors or bring us along on your grocery run. Aaron Mills and Rachel Hyatt will be joining Vanessa and I as we talk about Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and poor versus wise leadership. We hope you will listen in. Sometimes a light surprises the Christian wife she sees. It is the Lord who rises with healing in his wings. When comforts are declining, He grants the soul again. A season of pure shining to cheer it after the rain. 